hospital. Or as one psychiatrist in Chicago, when I was doing talks there a couple of years ago, this person came in who was from the program and he said he knew this psychiatrist who wasn't, in, who wasn't an alcoholic who had done his master's, his thesis on AA. And he said, you know, you can boil down the whole program of AA into one sentence. It's people trying to learn how to quit playing God. That's basically it. <laughs> it really is. And to me, if you look at the big book, I would say that's the, that's the most important unspoken step is to quit playing God. Because that's what selfing's doing. That's exactly what it's doing. Yeah? It's claiming the God-like attributes that consciousness is demonstrating, which is awareness, onness, no, no seeming location, not based on time. And it's taking those attributes and then pasting them onto this, this apparatus. So this, this, let's say you call it a you, and then you could say the movement of spirit is an I, and the mental process of selfing puts them together and calls it me. Yeah? And just like there what people say there's only one God and this and that, well, there's only one me also. So it starts pantomiming all the attributes it thinks God would have, and it starts taking them on to be itself. I'm totally separate. No one has the same thoughts I have. No one feels the way I have. No one does the things that I do. You know, it's so total bullshit. It really is. And it does. the only reason why it has any flavor or attraction is there's the mind believes it's about itself. Not about what it is, but about who it's claimed to be, this Paul. Therefore, if you, sh if you come into my house and share the same mental stream that may be going through my head, I have total immunity to that stream. I can sit right next to you, and I'm not going to get wet from that stream that's, going, that's driving seemingly you crazy. Yeah? But the same stream, if held here as mine, or about me, that will have the ability to drive this thing crazy. Yeah? It's not what's happening. It's who it's happening to is the dilemma. Yeah? It's who, that, it's who it is that thinks it's doing it and who it's happening to. It's the who that gives it all the meaning it has. It doesn't have a standard meaning. A thought one day will have no effect in your head, and another day it will devastate you. It's just based on the conditions yeah, that you find yourself in. You know what I mean? So that's why in AA we're talking about promoting a spiritual condition because it produces an immunity to the condition called selfing, which is totally rooted in a body. Yeah? Its whole starting point is a physicality. This is what matters. This is real. Listen to the words. Matter. Real. This is like iron strong. The deeper and the denser, the more real the mind likes it to be. Everything that's like a spiritual ephemeral is called nothing, or airy-fairy, or spiritual new aging, yes? So the mind constantly denies any importance to nothingness and puts all the importance on something. The more there is, the better, the stronger it is, yeah? So we have a mental illness. That's what we have. Alcoholism, you can't take a, an x-ray of alcoholism. You won't see it. You'll see its effects maybe on some of the organs, but you will not see alcoholism. They have not found alcoholism in the brain yet. They haven't found it. They may think they found where alcoholism is dominant, but they can't, oh, that's alcoholism, like a little parasitical rat running through the brain, you know? 
hiding in the memories, you know, and then pissing and shitting on the future all day, you know. There's nothing you can see. It's just an activity of mind, yeah? So there's the, there's the one process of mind, which is selfing, and then that process has been attacked by a parasite called alcoholism. So the selfing that demonstrates as you in this life is an alcoholic self. And the beauty, if there is a beauty about it, is that in, at a certain point in time, there was a solution dropped into this place. You know, in 1935, alcoholics finally found a solution that was worth its name, yeah? And they realized, and so that parasite has now been sort of captured in print and discussed over in tons of meetings all around the world for the last 70-something years. So the characteristics of alcoholism has been recognized, yeah? And it doesn't have an infinite amount of characteristics because even though it can appear in the multitude of people, it has the same characteristics in every one of them. Because it's not your characteristics, it's the parasite's characteristics that are being called yours. Yeah. That's why when we come to meetings, we're not identifying with who you are. You're identifying with what's taking you over. Yeah, because I've been taken over by the same mental state. Yeah, that's the reason why we connect. It's not, oh, hey, bro, I wouldn't get high with most people I met the first year in AA. The people, I wouldn't want to get loaded at all with most of them. But I identify when they share because it's, they sure seem to have my feelings and my thoughts and my reactions to life. Yeah? How could they be mine if they have them? You know what I mean? How could I say this is a very unique, customized version of a very special me when all these other me's seem to have the same characteristics? Because all those you's, which this is included as a you, has been taken over by alcoholism, and now we're extremely obsessed with the specific me's that we take ourselves to be, which causes us not to be able to receive help because we think we're so uniquely, terminally different. Yeah? And so the whole bubble was broken in AA because we started to have meetings where people who suffered from the same dilemma got together and then one of the first things that starts getting punctured is this balloon of terminal uniqueness because you're just listening and people sure seem to have the same thoughts that you're having and at times at the exact same time. And you go into meetings and they're talking about exactly what you needed to hear. And I bet you 20 people in that room had the same experience. They're talking exactly about what I wanted to hear. Because it's not about you. Yeah? It's about this bastardized me with alcoholism. A mental process that produces the sense of being a self and that process afflicted with alcoholism. So it's, you know, in a broad way you can recognize selfing, but we have even a better gift because we, we're an extreme subdivision of selfing called alcoholism. So it really cooks, and it's an extreme version. So if you don't see it, you're fucking blind, in a sense. Really, if you don't fucking see it after time here, you're fucking blind. You're, you're still locked into the way of looking called self-centeredness because it's plain as day. These, we're not unique. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing unique about us except the physical chiseling of an appearance. And this isn't even us. Yeah? So with a broad section of selfing, it's gone unnoticed quite a lot. Yes? In the mass population. But because this is such an extreme subdivision, it got noticed because it's really, really a promoter of death, basically. And it's also, for some people it can be quiet, but most people, 
it has a huge effect on whatever one or whatever is around them. So alcoholism is just, it's like, it's like a thumb sticking out. It's a big fucking thumb that's very easy to notice if you have the eyes to see. Yeah? So the eyes to see, for me, come from the right diagnosis of the disease. If it's seen to be just obsession with self, that's a form of looking because that it's self trying to get out of self. But if I'm not self, then I damn well know the best way or the most incredible subtle way of being in self is to try to get out of it. Then you escape from an imaginary problem. And to escape from an imaginary problem takes absolutely no time because it's not a real problem that you have to drag yourself or climb yourself out of. There's just a recognition, I'm not that. And then what occurs? You'll know by its fruits. You'll see some damn fucking long-lasting relief finally. From what? The disease of alcoholism. From what? The real dilemma, which is selfing. So alcoholism lets you see the selfing in a clearer way. Because it's very, it's like, it paints its, its, its expression with a broad stroke, yeah? So in that, to stop and say, oh, I'm an alcoholic, and not see the real root of alcoholism, which is selfing, you know? The identification as a self, which everyone seems to be suffering from, if you only take it one point and then try to become a better self, in a way, you shortchanged yourself in a way. If you would just expand the idea, I'm not that, I'm not that, well, I'm also not that. So then self will not try to get out of self, and that's being out of self. Yeah. So we're trying to get out of alcoholism, but you see... It's like one of those, it's like a glove within a glove within a glove. You take one glove off, and then you think the next glove is your hand. So you take the glove of alcoholism off, but the original glove of selfing is still there. It's when the second one gets taken off, and you actually feel, without an interpretive uh, mediator, which is, let's say, I used to use this a long time ago when I did the talks in uh, wherever that was, the dry dark. It was just, if you're in a world, and the whole world, the only way you have an experience of that world was, it was a, a sense of feeling, yeah? You didn't have sight, you didn't have vision, you didn't have smell, yeah? You didn't, you didn't have hearing, anything like that. All you had is one gateway to have an experience of that was feeling, yeah? And so let's say, as you came into this place, very quickly, you grew into a glove, in a sense. So the hand, which is the apparatus that, that facilitates the feeling, is now muffled with the glove. And let's say the glove is coarse. Yeah? So now it's in contact. It's seemingly in conscious contact. But there's something between its, what it is and, and what's, ex what's being experienced, which is this coarse glove. Okay? Everything it feels, it basically feels in a way the same. Because no matter how different the feelings would be, when they go through the glove, they sort of become the same old, same old. So let's say in this world they have a scripture about what heaven would be like. And in that heaven, you, are, you, you finally arrive at this incredibly large rose garden, and you walk around that rose garden and you feel the petals. And if you've ever felt the rose petal, it's damn fucking soft, yeah? Incredibly soft, you know experience. 
So there it's written poetically in the main scripture of this little world. And so now you're a devotee. You want to get that experience. You want to get the experience firsthand that rose garden. So you go through whatever you go through to get to the garden. But every time you touch the petal, it feels coarse, right? Because the glove dominates the experience. Yeah. If the glove is coarse, no matter what experience it has, it's going to be the dominant interpretation of the experience. Hey, this isn't fucking, this ain't heaven. It's just like everything else I've ever touched. Yeah? But let's say it wants to have faith that it's heaven. So, of course, because it doesn't have the translation of the experience of that extreme softness, it becomes fundamental. It becomes dogmatic. Now it's trying to make people wrong. No, you're wrong, not feeling this. But it's never had the sense of what it really was like to feel the pedal. Yeah? It's like an empty realization. But what would occur if it could entertain, hey, I'm not the glove. Yeah? If I'm not the glove, it can pull itself out of glove. Just like it, like it says in AA, you grew into fear. That presupposes that you can grow out of fear. Yeah? This is a dualistic movement here. So if one movement was to grow in, its opposite would be to grow out. Yeah? So here I grew into this glove, and now my whole life has been interpreted by this coarseness of this glove, even though what's moving the glove is the hand, what's facilitating everything is the hand, but the glove takes itself to be the glove. Yeah? Uh, that's the hand to this. Yeah? It takes itself, the glove, to be the hand. Well, let's say if that glove was lifted off and then you felt that rose petal, would you need to be dogmatic and fundamental about heaven? No, you'd, have, you'd, have, you'd be free range about heaven. You would have a realization, an unspoken yes, a done deal. You would become convinced. Yeah. And when you become convinced, the mind can stabilize. Yeah. And it stabilizes in the possibility that I'm not that. I'm not that fucking thing. So no matter how many times everything that's ever felt is still interpreted by that glove, you realize you're still not that glove. Yeah? Yeah. So if self isn't what I am, and I believe self-identification as self is the root of the problem. That's the root of the problem. Maybe some, who knows? People agree with that. I don't care. It's just an invitation. But I found out, like, if you have a cold, and you think you have the flu, and you take a lot of flu medicine, you're not going to get total relief from the cold, are you? Because you've been misdiagnosed, yeah? You don't have a fucking flu. You got the cold, yeah? This is the point. Let's get the diagnosis correct. What is really the root of the suffering? Is that, is, do you believe self would be fine? If certain things, you didn't do certain things, and then you didn't have certain things, or you had some things you don't have, that's the biggest delusion of them all. It says it in the book. The main delusion is people, no matter how much life is, has demonstrated that any life run on self-will is not going to be successful, the delusion, the habit of delusion is, if I could only manage better. It's not that managing is wrong, I'm just not doing it good enough. Yeah? If I could only manage better, then everything would work out. The news is it won't. What's that? Incessant managing is playing God. <coughs> yeah? When you wake up in the morning and it tells you how the day's going to be, that ain't playing God. Have you ever noticed, have you ever gotten the card, if you're in a card game called Life, have you ever gotten the 4 p.m. card at 8 a.m.? 
Have you ever received that card at 8 a.m. when it was meant to be, you know, dealt at 4 p.m.? Have you? No. Never. Never. Yeah. Yet, at 8 p.m., you get the 8 p.m. card, the mind speculates about the whole game and says, oh, fucking, this is going to suck. Might as well fucking not even go. It's unbelievable. I'm a loser. I'll never win this game. Even if you have an ace, it'll be seen as a bad move. You know what I mean? This is playing God. Yes. That's what... How can you... The third step of recovery, it's, which is the most important step of the 12 steps. If you're not in AA, you'll get something out of this because AA is a very good description of the problem of selfing just with an amped up version called alcoholism. But you can learn a lot from alcoholics, really. So we're like the pioneers of visiting hell. <laughs> and we can save you a whole lot of fucking trouble. Really. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in the big book, there's 12 steps. And in most, at least in the circles in this area, San Francisco, the third step is the big step. Yeah. To surrender, to turn one's will of life and over to the care of a higher power. So a lot of people jump from one to two to three. But there is a big bridge between two and three, which is, it says, all right, we're now going to look at the third step. And this is the how and why of it, which means this is a very comprehensive view. And the first thing it says is, first, you've got to quit playing God. And it gives you an answer. Why? It doesn't fucking work. I fucking, I added on to it, but it doesn't work. Yes? And then it says, next, in this drama of life, God's going to be the controller. And you don't have trouble with God if, if you take it to be a something, a, a divine being outside yourself. The way we're talking, at least from here, is God is like the water for the fish, you know? We're in this milu, this space, that if you want to call it G-O-D, at least it's an indication of it. You can never name it because it's indescribable, but, you know? Yeah. So it says, quit playing God, it doesn't work. And then it goes, next. So first, quit playing God. It doesn't work. Next. Now, a lot of people jump right to the next because they're obsessed. They're thinking that trouble is obsession with self. They don't realize that what's going to claim the third step is the problem. Yeah. You're going to be feeling like you're the one who did the third step. And therefore, many people have the experience that, okay, I did the third step, and now I'm going to try to undo it. I'm taking it back. This is too important that God God has like meeting girl, taking it back. So they go through this thing of surrendering and then taking it back, surrendering. This is all bullshit. What kind of God can you give something to and then take it back? Like it's a little kid with a candy bar. You know what I mean? There's a much weaker God than you. Yeah? When like Ramana Maharshi, this master in India, said, <clears throat> what, to know God is to be God. That is a beautiful, very concise statement of real knowledge. Our experience is to know God is to be a knower of God. Yeah. The emphasis is on you again. I'm the knower of God. Forget about God, really. It's the knower of God. Yeah. This is playing God. His form of knowledge is to know God is to be God. There's no knower of it, and therefore there's no one who doesn't know it. Yeah? It's being, being. And if your mind can just entertain, what that can become for you is an absolute. An absolute. Not based on circumstances and condition. Not based on God playing, which will tell you you're getting closer to it. Oh, you blew it. Oh, you do this or that. 
all of that can arise, it doesn't make, it doesn't have any adhesion unless you believe it. Yeah? You will not be adhesed. It's not what comes up that, that is the adhesive quality to the bondage of self. It's the feeling that it's about you is the bondage of self. Yeah? That feeling of... The feeling that it's you is the bondage of self. So here, let's say selfing is going on. Blah, 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 blah. Okay? And it has a product. The product is a feeling of being a self. Yeah? When that product gets produced, you feel like you were before the selfing. It plays with time. The process produces the product, but the product feels like it's doing the process. Yeah? The process of selfing produces a product, a feeling of being a self, but when you have the feeling of being a self, you feel like you were before the process. That's the quality of the product, yeah? The feeling that you're the alpha and the omega, that you were there before something started, and you'll be there after it stops. It's a false... It's like a phantom taking the sense of having flesh and blood. And the only way it even gets away with it is identification as this object. Yeah? Without this object, you wouldn't have that, that trance-like setting you'd be free from. The only way it gets fixated or rooted in is by the body identification. Yes, It's the I being mixed up with the you and called me. Most me's hate the you, first of all. They do. They literally hate their body. It's not enough. It doesn't reach high enough. It's not good looking enough. It doesn't do this enough. It doesn't do that enough. Yes? The me is super pissed that it has to take on the limitations of the body. But it has no relevance whatsoever unless it has this thing to fixate on. So it's like a weird deal. It doesn't like it, but it can't leave it because therefore it would be seen not to be anything. Yeah? <laughs> last thing it wants is irrelevance. Selfing, that's its whole drive, is to be relevant. It wants to believe it has the power to affect. But all it can produce any effects in is an appearance. Only this appearance can hurt this appearance. It's not touching a damn thing about the space that's, that it's appearing in. Not one, not one mark is left in the space that all of these appearances are appearing in. Not one. Not one imprint has ever taken hold on the space. No matter how heinous the act was that you thought you did, go home to where you did it, there won't be any imprint on the space of that area. <gasps> there's there's the, the remembrance of Paul. No, 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 no. Everything to that space is like a henna tattoo. It washes off. Nothing sticks. That's what your mind is like. Not the conditional mind. Not that activity of a mental process. But mind. Mind, spaciousness, lit up, awareness, yeah? Not locatable, not, pre not presented in time, yeah? No spatialness about it, overriding it all. Yeah. Now you're on to something. Therefore, you take to do the steps because you're doing it for the you. You're not doing it for the spirit. The spirit doesn't need a 12-step program. The spirit needs to be freed from the bondage of self. When that, and AA helps very much to mix, to separate the I and the you and take out the me. Yeah? 
And therefore the U does better and the I is just left alone as bright and brilliant as it's always been instead of hijacked and claimed. Yeah? But the 12-step program are not to make you more spiritually fit. You are spirit. They're meant to take care of a mental disease of called alcoholism that's having a huge effect on your emotions and your physicality as is you. Yeah? But you're not doing it to produce a spiritual condition. You are a spiritual condition. Yeah? You are a spiritual condition. Maybe you'll have to seemingly do things to convince yourself, but you're not making the spiritual condition. You're just convincing yourself, yeah, because when I meditate, then I, I, I allow myself to feel that spiritual condition. But it's not producing the spiritual condition. The spiritual condition is there. It's prior to all the making and the subtracting and all like that. Your mind may play God with it and go, well, when I do this and this and this, yeah, then I feel, oh, I feel really spiritual today. That's fucking playing God. Yeah. That's what you have to do. If you have to tide yourself out of this place, then do it, you know. If, if you get convinced that you can be okay for a couple hours you meditate, meditate away. Seriously, whatever works, use. But everything that works here is going to fail sooner or later. Because everything that works is dualistically going to unwork. Yeah? You can't escape the dualistic nature of this place, yes? So every tool, if it's worth its salt, is to be put down sooner or later. So that the freedom, the inherent freedom of mind, gets to express itself. If it does, if it, does it through tools, far out. But the tools aren't building anything, they're being used as a form of expression. And to make you aware. I'll make you aware of it until you realize you are the awareness of it. Yeah, so if you need, if something works for you, do it, you know. But the thing, don't believe that it's you producing that effect, because the spiritual condition is not an effect. It's a state. It's already so. <laughs> You're an effect. That's what you are, calling yourself a cause, <laughs> really. <laughs> You're just one of millions of effects, but you're putting yourself in, in front of the whole line and say, calling you a cause. <laughs> I am the Alpha and the Omega. Yes. <laughs> so really, the freedom is from the bondage of self. Yeah, that's what it's from. It's not the self getting free. Because if... Any, any freedom that the self seems to think it gets is going to be used to bond it to the idea of being a self. That's what it does. Yeah? It'll be conditional, but let's say if you meditate and you feel better, the one day you miss meditation, forget it, the mind has a field day. It's like fucking the day's ruined. I can't wait to get back to the pillow. Did you ever have that when you were a kid? No. You weren't looking for a retreat, were you? When I was three years old, I wasn't, I didn't think I had any dilemma. <laughs> I grew into all that. Yeah. <laughs> I did, I used to meditate quite a lot, you know. And I remember days I missed meditation, the interpretation of that day was, it was not going to be good. <laughs> no, I've lost my serenity. Everyone's going to have a huge ability to affect me today. I've got to get that spiritual barrier up. Hide behind it. Oh, yes. It's all baloney. You know. Sooner or later, you're going to be naked. Yeah. You're going to have to stand in mind alone. No matter what that slings and arrows the head is thrown at you, you've got to stay in the absolute surety 
that you are not that. And let it do its little number. There's a lot of anchors that it provides, really. If you don't, that pause that we have situations that manipulate it, like meetings and everything like that, you can really live from that pause, you know. You can live from there, where there's not a gut reaction often at all. There's just a seeing before there's a looking from. You see it cooking, but you don't end up looking from that what's cooked, yeah? You see it. And therefore, all these giant explosions never get lit. They really don't. They just don't get lit. The mind may have to go through a lot because it likes the boredom that looks exciting. It does. It likes getting into drama. It likes to be special. It really wants to be relevant. It really, really does. But if you can go through that little phase, it could be a second, or it could be a couple months, who knows. But if you can just break the habit of becoming a self, yeah, and let mind stay in the pause, which has nothing to do with becoming and unbecoming. It is. Yeah? It is. It is. It's not in the process of becoming something or unbecoming something, which is what selfing is all about all day, right? You believe you're something you don't want to be, so you're trying to unbecome that. You're trying to become something you don't think you are. Yeah, it just goes on. It's like a slinky that constantly goes on like an infinite fucking staircase. It never hits a level point where it stops. It's always... Yeah, yeah. But when you stop, there's something continues. Get a sense of that. You sense it here. Hopefully that's what's one of the flavors that gets provoked here, is the sense of what we are when we stop. Yeah. The quality of the pause is more your nature than the person that thinks it's having a pause, I'm telling you. <laughs> I would say that's a more better reflection of the true mirror of life is pause than you <laughs> having a pause. Because <laughs> when you have a pause, you won't have a pause. <laughs> That ain't the pause, really. <laughs> the pause is just an infinite opportunity in time, really. You know, you never know when <coughs> when it's going to become dominant, but it doesn't mean it wasn't there until it becomes dominant. It's just a field that's always available. Sometimes it, you know, it just intersects and just stops the linear story of Paul. Other times you can entertain it, you know, and sort of stay in it. So resentment, that's what the, that's the paper, right? Resentment. What's a resentment? It's, you know, the old definition from Latin is to re-feel, yeah? So obviously, to re-feel, to re, to do again something is sort of like a past event, yes? So to re-feel something. So if you really look at resentments, there may be four archetypical resentments maybe you have. I'm just using a number, but it's not a huge amount of number. And what the mind does is when it interprets an event now, it just refers back to one of those re-feelings. So it re-feels something. These are like its own altars in a way. So it can pledge allegiance to the self. Yeah. So basically everything is really being re-felt, re-thought, yeah. re-had, re-experienced. 
Everything is coming out of, it's all already, before you even seem to be you, it's been already interpreted for that you. Yeah? It's very, very quick. I was just reading this book on consciousness when we were away, and one of the things I, that you know, I've shared here actually sort of got validated in the book in a way where we're on this little half-second time delay, and that, you know, the sense of self's an illusion, it is for sure. But the time delay is, we have never really been here ever. <laughs> if there's a feeling of you here, that you was never here when things were actually happening. <laughs> it's, a, it's a product of a process, how mind interprets this information and stimuli. And it interprets it and organizes with this idea that it's happened to you, to a you. Yeah. That you become the depository. You, you're like its weather vane. You're like its flagpole. You're like its fixed reverence. And it uses organizing principle to make sense of this fucking place and tell a story about it from the point of view of being a you. Actually, of being a me, not a you. The you is used, but the story's about me. It's not about you. It's always about a me. Yeah. So this whole idea of getting into the moment is impossible because in a sense, what you really are can't be out of the moment. You are that moment. What you're not can never be in the moment. Because it's an interpretation of the moment that it's in. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're living as this little phantom figure in a mental realm of time. We're never here. I would say what we are is the basis of here, which is consciousness. So this book was talking about how there's two modes. There's like to reduce it, and they think it's a neural, being produced by a neural activity. Yeah? So the brain is producing consciousness. Or the other one is that the brain is outside of being produced, but they don't know fucking what's going on. But I would say consciousness is, is like this immersed field of everywhere all the time, yeah? And that it's functioning through the apparatus. In other words, the apparatus facilitates it to have an event called this life, yeah? But it's not the, it's not what's, uh, it's not the apparatus that's producing consciousness. The consciousness can't be produced it's moving through this apparatus and, and, it's, and the consciousness that will be expressed will be de defined by the apparatus it's moving through like an animal or a plant or a human, yeah? So you would call it a plant consciousness, human consciousness, animal consciousness. But the consciousness isn't, that isn't a separate quality from consciousness. It's just like a different shade in manifestation of the same source, let's say. But to believe that it's produced by the brain flips me out. <laughs> because it seems to be putting a, to me it's like really self-centeredness to actually think what we're identified as is producing consciousness. Blows my mind. So. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like the idea of, uh, you ever see the movies when the person's dying and the other person's hanging over him saying, hey, you can't do this to me. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, the, the person's death is an imposition to my story. This is self-centeredness, isn't it? What an arrogant thing. You can't even let the person die when it's being called on to die. No, you can't do this. We got the, we got the prom this weekend. No, I won't have a date. You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. We're so steeped in that, the arrogance of selfie, we don't even recognize how fucking absurdly deeply enmeshed it is in. Yeah, it's just going off constantly. <laughs> so, if you want to look at the movement of selfing, it's claiming. That's its first movement, yes? 
So when the mental process is selfing, it claims everything else. So it claims the body, my body. It claims the functions, like thinking, as I'm the thinker. It's time, my time. Life, my life. Yeah? Problems, my problems. Yeah? Girlfriend, my girlfriend. It's all about claiming. That's its main movement. Because if it wants to presuppose that it's the liver of a life, it's got to claim the life that it's not living. Yeah? For it to appear to be the liver of life, the liver of life, to appear to be the one who's alive in life, it has to claim life because it's not living one. Yeah? That's why it's an interpretation. The sense of being consciousness overrides that interpretation. That's why when that starts being entertained, you don't see life as happening to you as much anymore. You just see life as happening. Yeah? And it can be happening to a you, but that ain't me. <laughs> That's the good news. <laughs> if you entertain it, it works. Why? Because it does. You'll get relief from your thought system if you don't see them as your thoughts. You really won't. You'll get relief from problems when they're not your problems. Yeah, because it ain't the problems, really. They come and go, don't they? It's the my that always seems to be the same. You know, maybe it's good to look over the bridge of my and see the me and see, because it's the me that's dumping all the meaning into the problem. As soon as it claims it by saying it's my problem, what you're dealing with isn't the surface-seeming problem. It's re, it's re, it's causing re-feelings of other things that remind you, da, 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 da. So a simple little problem out of here, once claimed, can have a huge amount of meaning. Yeah, a huge amount of meaning. Because it's not the problem that has the meaning, it's the my, that's the bridge to the me, that dumps the meaning into it. Yeah? The me is comprised of tons of old ideas and conditioning and beliefs. Yes? Tons of them. It's like a catacomb of potentiality which seeks expression through the my... Yeah? By claiming everything. Body. I mean, the difference between a body and my body is unbelievable. How much interest and attention goes to my body than to a body? Yeah? How much interest and attention goes to my thought than it would to a thought? Huge amount of difference. Huge amount. As soon as these activities that you call living are claimed by the mental process, they're used just to deliver meaning, really. You get an interpretation by being engaged with things out here. The conscious contact provides the engagement, but that's not left alone. That's interpreted to be you that's engaged as this me. And therefore, tons of meaning is given to what you're engaged with. Yeah? So like Buddha said, when you're seeing, see. Beautiful statement, very clean. When you're hearing, hear. When you're feeling, feel. When you're tasting, taste when you're touching touch. But that's not how the mental process does it. That's conscious contact. What happens after the feeling, it's like the feeler and what's felt. After the hearing, the hearer and what's heard. After the seeing, the seer and what's seen. Very little emphasis is given to the seeing. It's, a lot is given to the seer and the seen. Yes? Freedom is in seeing. Freedom from what? 
the seer and the seen, really. Yeah. You get freed from the seer and the seen. The seeing is the liberating quality of that event. The seer and the seen is the is the enslaving quality of that event. Yes? One is conscious contact, the other is a mental interpretation of conscious contact. One binds you, the other frees you. Yeah? Not be, not on purpose, it's just freeing. There's just seeing. Yeah? There's just hearing, there's just feeling. It's super clean. Yeah? Arises, conscious contact. But the seer and seen is a huge story. Yes? A huge freaking story. The scenes can be lose meaning and gain meaning, but the seer constantly gets is the source of so much sucking in of attention and interest. Yeah? So what happens is when that interpretation overrides the conscious contact, we become seemingly unconscious. To what? The conscious contact. Once we're once that's built, then everything and anything goes. Because now you're in what's not happening, and anything can happen there. Yeah? <laughs> you can just the whole every day can be overridden and a story replaced you know replaced it with a story and your emphasis is on the story basically all day you're not you don't have any sense of being here whatsoever yeah that's called a here but it's a mental here it's all made up of there and then yeah there's no freedom there's no clarity of the moment because the moment is bookended with past and future. So even if the moment seems really light, so much heaviness gets infused in it by past ideas. Oh, this isn't going to last. The future. When are they going to find out I'm a fraud? Whatever. Yes? It's always constantly injecting meaning into just a bare-bone moment of seeing, let's say, or, or feeling, or being present. Will I be present later? How can I be more present? How can I be more in this moment? Give me a break. Why not just realize you can't be out of the moment and you'll be in the moment as much as you possibly ever can be. The, know how you're mostly in the moment is when you realize you can't be out of it. That's when you're really in the moment. I swear to God, more than any tricks of trying to get into the moment, and this is some sublime, very good tricks to really get in the moment, this beats them hands down because it's an absolute. I can't be out of the moment. Let's get, all right, that's done. Yeah? That impossibility is taken off the table. I can't fucking be out of the moment. So, all right, never to be visited again. Swear to God. And I tell you, that's a big chip in this game. And then the idea of getting out of self, and you see, go to groups that are in the process of getting out of self. They talk about self the most, but usually from self. So the problem talks about the solution all day. It's nauseating. Yeah. And everyone sort of claps deep down about the problem. So if someone says, oh, I felt really, really light, but I'm still an asshole. Huh? Still an asshole. I really liked your share. Watch it. See it. It's like pledging allegiance all freaking day to the thing that we're saying we want to get out of. Jeez, you can't serve two masters at the same time, like Jesus said. You can't serve two masses at the same time. You can't serve self and you can't serve spirit at the same time. Because if you do it at the same time, it'll be self practicing spirit. Yes? Self will be the doer of the spirit. 
That's the greatest way to hide spirit. But is when the world starts. You really, you're some, the light was really. We had it at Berkeley a couple of times. The person was sharing. Oh, I can really be here today. But how will I be doing? I said, Why not just stay here then? All right. If you believe you can be here tonight, let's be here tonight. What about who gives a fuck about next week? Maybe you won't be able to do it next week. But now you see, you just said you are. Okay, let's sort of let's attend to that. You know, you are now. Yes, but. <laughs> No, cut off the foot, you know, when the butt, as soon as the butt arises, pause if you can. If you think you can pause, pause there and just stay on this side, yeah? And let that side shrivel up when it doesn't get your attention and interest, because it will. It needs to be blown up by you all the fucking day. If you stop giving it attention, it won't even seem to exist because it inherently doesn't exist. It only appears. Yeah, what you are is existing. Yes? Why take yourself to be an appearance when you can realize what you are? That would be stabilized. Then you'd have a fucking anchor. You'd have a root. You wouldn't have to go through surrender, take you back, surrender. You can stay surrendered. You can stay convinced. You believe with certainty now. Certain things that have been revealed to you through the book, through people, and through your own life's experiences, you won't have to ever go back and revisit it. You're done. You're very clear. Any life run by self will not be successful. You don't see any exemptions in that little statement. There's no special entitlement for you to be different. It's all clear and clean. And it's an absolute. In the alcoholic way of life, if that's not seen, it's going to be in and out, back and forth, this and that. Yes? Convinced to believe with certainty. Yeah? To be done with something. So that, that life can move on. It wants to express and and progress and build so that can be more uh, fruitiness in the expression, you know, more flavor, more richness. But if you keep just yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, there's no stability there. You know? You're totally sincere. Five minutes later, you're fucking doubtful like crazy. You're believing you're this wind and that wind. They're just mental winds blowing. You're something stable. You're always here at all times. That's not moving at all. No matter how heavy the gale force is, it's not blowing the context. So, there is a solution. There really is. Any questions tonight?